Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The latest from 7 News with Angela Cox. Good evening and welcome tonight. Two bushwalkers, a man and a boy, killed in a freak landslide in the Blue Mountains. The very latest on the hike that ended in tragedy. Anthony Albanese's bold pre-election prediction, we crossed to Parliament House, live to Ukraine on Russia's bloody retreat from the capital, and everything you need to know to receive those one-off cash payments announced in the budget. But at first tonight, that deadly landslide in the Blue Mountains, two hikers killed, two others hurt. Angelique Opie is live for us outside Westmead Hospital where the injured are right now being treated. Angel, what are their conditions? Angela, the 50-year-old woman and 13-year-old boy are critical, suffering from significant head and abdominal injuries. They were sedated and incubated before being winched up and flown to Westmead Hospital here. Police have confirmed the two bushwalkers who were killed were a young boy and man. Now, miraculously, a 15-year-old girl walked out unscathed, but police say she was very distressed. And it's understood the bushwalkers Walkers were a group of five. They were bushwalking just after 1.30 this afternoon when the landslip happened. In light of recent floods and drenching rain, police and paramedics say the conditions were extremely dangerous. The track is surrounded by dense bushland, making for a precarious and, des- and desperate rather uh, rescue operation. Now, for those crews, they were on scene clearing branches to winch those patients out to safety. Pictures seen from our news chopper. But it's not the first tragedy that happened in the Wentworth Falls area. In 2017, a 36-year-old National Parks contractor was killed after rock fell on him and two other men were injured in that incident. Um, but tonight, though, police are on scene. They will be trying to retrieve the bodies of the the two males as the popular tourist site is now a scene of a police investigation. Mm. Okay, thanks so much, Angelique. Let's take you now to Melbourne Airport where there have been disruptions tonight for Qantas passengers. Live to our reporter, Rochelle Brown. Rochelle, what is the issue there? And it's all related to luggage. Passengers were forced to wait up to five hours at Melbourne Airport this morning for their baggage, which ended up uh, stretching, obviously, late into the afternoon. Now, most of the travellers we spoke to had arrived on a flight from LA via Sydney. They were understandably feeling quite frustrated and tired after their sleepless flight, and this was the last thing that they needed. Now, some of those passengers were told to go home and that their luggage would be sent to them at a later date. Others were told to hang around and wait, but there was some confusing messaging about whether their bags were indeed missing or whether they would turn up on a later flight. Now, Qantas has since apologised for the delay, claiming that passengers were only left waiting up to 45 minutes. They say that all the delays are down to COVID shortages uh, with their staff stuck. 
competition at the moment. They're also experiencing uh, a big demand in terms of international and domestic flights, which isn't making anything easier. Uh, you might be able to see behind me now, and certainly tonight, there's also been some delays at the, at the baggage section, more like 20 minutes rather than hours, but certainly people are feeling the pain here tonight. Now, Qantas says that they are working on some more staff to rectify this issue, so hopefully we'll see some relief by tomorrow. And Okay, thanks so much, Rochelle. The federal election is due to be called any day and Anthony Albanese is already making bold early projections. Political reporter Rob Scott is in Parliament House in Canberra. Rob, the opposition leader was sounding pretty confident at the start of the day, but it was playing a little bit cooler later on. That's right, Angie. It was during a radio interview while in Brisbane today that he was asked how many seats he thinks he can take off the coalition at the coming election. And he proceeded to rattle off the names of nine in Queensland alone, including Defence Minister Peter Dutton's seat. Now, bear in mind, he only needs to win seven seats across the whole country to be able to form a majority government. But when asked the same question at a media conference a few hours later. He didn't repeat his comments, uh, saying he'd leave that to the commentators. So it would appear one of his advisers had gotten into his ear and told him to wind it back a bit. Because, as we know, while voters want to hear leaders who are confident in their policies, they don't want to hear them sounding overconfident about winning. Mm, indeed. What did the Prime Minister have to say? Well, he wasn't asked about it, but the Treasurer Josh Frydenberg was, and he said Anthony Albanese is getting ahead of himself, describing his comments as hubris. As for the Prime Minister, uh, he may have been dropping a few breadcrumbs today about when he plans to call the election. He didn't name a date, but he did say Mr Albanese has been, in his words, skating away without much scrutiny, and he obviously wants voters to get a good look at him. So he said today there'll be plenty of time for scrutiny, so perhaps that's a hint he won't visit the Governor-General until the last possible moment to give people more of a chance to dissect Labor's policies and, of course, to buy himself a bit more time to sell his budget, which did give him and his government a small bump in the polls today. OK, thanks so much, Rob. The Premier of Tasmania is quitting politics. Peter Gutwin has resigned from the top job after two years and as the member for Bass. The state Liberal leader says he wants to focus on his own family after spending years looking after everyone else's. Gutwin remains Premier until his party elects a replacement. New grants are being made available to residents whose homes were damaged or lost to floods in New South Wales. Up to $20,000 can be claimed by any one property in certain local government areas. That cash can go towards repairs, buying new household goods, reconnecting utilities or moving out. People can start applying for the state government grants in coming weeks. As Russian forces withdraw from parts of Ukraine, the horrors of what they left behind are becoming clearer. Let's go now to Jeff Parry in Lviv. Jeff, there are reports of a mass grave located near the capital, Kyiv. Yes, Angela, President Zelensky describes what's going on in the outskirts of Kyiv as just evil on earth, and it's very hard to disagree. Some of the pictures coming out of the town of Bucha are just horrifying and barbaric. You know, we used to think of what the Russians were doing uh, down in Mariupol, carpet bombing whole civilian areas and bombing hospitals and churches where people were sheltering were bad enough. This seems to be 
next level stuff. Uh, civilians just being executed in the street, out for a walk, probably not recreational, probably just foraging for food uh, to survive. They've been underground for five weeks there, only to be killed as the Russians retreat. Uh, civilians found with their hands bound behind their uh, behind them um, with bullet wounds in the head, uh, obvious signs of execution, just left to, to uh, lay where they where they were shot dead. Uh, men of military age, not not members of the military, but military age between 18 and 60, rounded up and executed. Scores of bodies have been found. The mayor down there says uh, that they found a mass grave with 300 bodies in it. It's just terrible stuff. And the Russians, for their sake, for their part, say this is all fake. That they're they're saying that the the, the bodies you see lying on the ground are actually actors and that they're alive. I mean, no one believes this stuff, but this is what Russia is trying to excuse away uh, what will be um, seen as war crimes and and uh, and genocide, you know, crimes against humanity. Angela. No one's believing it. There has been fierce condemnation from the international community. Uh, from all around, I mean, uh, the um, Prime Minister of Japan, the President uh, Macron from France, Schultz from Germany, our Prime Minister just said that he was appalled at what's going on. You know, uh, the Russians um, now want to bring this up before the United Nations. They want this fully debated. So confident are they that the world will agree with them that this is just a stitch-up job by the Ukrainians, that they want a special meeting of the, of the Security Council from the United Nations so they can put their case that, you know, this is all fabricated. Of course, no one will believe them. It'll make a very, very interesting debate if they manage to get the Security Council to debate it. But it's just, um, uh, it's, you know, people are just looking in this and, and just gobsmacked at uh, what the Russians could do um, so blatantly, really. Yeah. So where is Russia focusing its attacks now? Well, look, we saw those missiles fired at Odessa. That's down in the south. It's a very important port for the Ukrainians. It's sort of their, their sea gateway, if you like, to the world. Uh, it's a very important target for the Russians. Uh, they've, they've sort of ignored it a little bit till now, but obviously they will want to get that. Mariupol, where they've been so active uh, over recent weeks, just some terrible stuff going on there. But they, they are expected to take that port within a few days, which will be interesting because there's about 150, 160,000 people who are desperate there for food and water and whether the Russians will either supply it or, or once they control that city allow that aid in to help those people or even to let those people out to safer areas and of course there's the Donbass region Donetsk and Luhansk those um, those cities up there that form that that independent that independent area recognized by Russia before they invaded uh, it's thought that that's certainly now where the Russians will concentrate their efforts militarily that's why they've drawn down troops in places like Kiev and Chernihiv in the north and they'll be concentrating Concentrating and trying to take that territory. Maybe uh, that will be enough for them if they can secure that area to say, OK, all right, well, we've done our bit, we've won this. And uh, whether that's going to be enough to satisfy the Ukrainians, probably not. They're keen not to give up any territory at all, given what they've had to endure, Angela. Incredible. OK, thanks so much, as always, Jeff Parry. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Police in California are right now searching for several gunmen wanted over a mass shooting in Sacramento. Six people were killed and 12 others injured when the suspects opened fire outside a nightclub. It's believed a gangland feud is behind the incident. We're waiting to see how the Brisbane Broncos punish two of its players who are caught fighting each other. Live to Joel Dry at Broncos headquarters now. Joel, what's the club had to say so far? Good evening, Ange. Well, the club has confirmed that both players have now spoken to the NRL's integrity unit and are awaiting sanctions. But whatever the punishment, the Broncos will be livid that they are again in the headlines for all of the wrong reasons. This incident actually occurred a couple of weeks ago, but the video you are seeing now only just surfaced. It shows Payne Haas, who claims he was not drinking on the night, scuffling with and then punching his teammate, Albert Kelly, who clearly had been drinking. The cause of the blow-up... We are told it's because the smaller man stepped on the much larger man's shoes. Now, the club says that there were no serious injuries and the teammates kissed and made up shortly afterwards. But this is all about the optics and it is a terrible look for the Broncos who have been plagued by off-field issues. It's also a really bad look for Payne Haas, who himself is no stranger to the NRL's integrity unit. Just last year, he was suspended and fined $50,000 for intimidating a female police officer. So all parties involved now wait to see what the NRL decides. Is it a fine? Is it a suspension? But the Broncos themselves have not ruled out issuing their own punishment to the players, regardless of what the NRL does. But the Broncos desperately need a win off-field and on-field. But unfortunately, Ange, this is not ideal preparation for them coming up on Friday night against the Roosters. Not at all. OK, Joel Dry, thank you. The Transport Safety Bureau is in charge of the site where a helicopter crashed in Victoria, killing all five on board. Police have handed over control of the scene in Mount Disappointment after finishing their examination and removing the remains of victims. It'll take up to eight weeks before air crash investigators hand down an initial report into the cause of the crash. Western Australia's police commissioner is going to become the state's next governor. Chris Dawson says he's honoured to take on what he called an important responsibility. Commissioner Dawson takes over from former Deputy Prime Minister Kim Beasley. He'll be sworn in at a ceremony in July. We've learned when the first cost of living relief payments announced in the budget will go out to eligible Australians. Network Finance Editor Gemma Acton is with us now. Gemma, how much longer is the wait? Not very long at all, Ange. If you're one of the six million or so Australians who will be eligible, and just a reminder that that's pensioners and welfare recipients, uh, if you do qualify more than once, you still only get one $250 payment. But these payments are going to come as soon as April 28th, uh, provided the legislation is passed, which looks like it will be. So the timing of this, very close to the election, can't really be ignored? No, it can't really be ignored. Uh, we don't know exactly when the election is, but we're expecting it to be called any day now, really looking at May 14 or May 21. Uh, so certainly, yes, a payment going into your bank account on the 28th of April, very much uh, front of mind and uh, then they're nice and fresh in your bank account as well. Yeah, and we'll have to wait and see if it does what the government's hoping. Um, what about those tax offsets? Um, that What's the latest on those? Right, so that won't be uh, in bank accounts before the election. That will happen from July 1st because it's part of the tax return. Again, just like the $250 payments, that will automatically go 
into your account, so you don't actually need to do anything to claim that. Uh, the people who will be eligible for this uh, this extra money will be the same people who've been getting the low and middle income tax offsets for the last couple of years. So it's around 10 million Australians. That's people who earn up to $126,000. Now exactly how much you get back depends on exactly how much you're earning because there is a scale within that $126,000 limit. Uh, but essentially the maximum you can get is $1,500. So that's the $1,080 that people have got the last couple of years plus a maximum of $420 taking you to a maximum of $15,000. Okay. So but coming pretty soon, but not before me. Okay. Thanks so much, Jim. Thanks, Ange. Let's turn now to all the highlights from this year's Grammys. An Australian group was among the winners. Even amongst the stars, the outfits, and the music, the Grammys couldn't to Will Smith. We're going to be dancing, we're going to be singing, we're going to be keeping people's names out of our mouths. The awards were packed with A-list performances, Lady Gaga giving old Hollywood glamour, Lenny Kravitz, rock and roll. Aussie teen The Kid Leroy was nominated for Best New Artist, but was scooped by Olivia Rodrigo. But Sydney act Rufus Dussault beat David Guetta for best dance track. The song of 2022. And I trust that you people will stay 500 feet away from me. Awarded without any of the drama of the Academy Awards. God bless you all. For the rest of our lives, we love you. Estelle Graypink, 7 News. A Melbourne man has made Victorian history by becoming the state's first single dad to have a biological baby using a surrogate. He hopes his tough path to becoming a dad will make it easier for other men like him to experience fatherhood. Tiny Eli Michael Resnick is perfect in every way. His besotted father still incredulous at his history-making new son. It's a love like I've never experienced before. Sean Resnick is Victoria's first single man to be given federal government approval to have a baby via a surrogate mother. Pure joy. Joy, um, I guess surprise, uh, probably relief as well. Creating Eli was a three-and-a-half-year labour of love. Victoria has strict surrogacy laws and while around 100 couples a year have babies via surrogates, singles find the process almost impossible. Cara Pincombe just wanted to help and this isn't the first time. As an egg donor, um, there are 13 other children that have been born to other families, the last two of those uh, that I carried as a surrogate. The elated new dad says his story has already inspired hundreds of other single men not to give up on their dreams of fatherhood. We shouldn't be sending people overseas for surrogacy or egg donation. Meanwhile, Sean has found love and he hasn't ruled out adding to his family with a sibling for Eli. If Carla's up for it and uh, I'm not completely exhausted at the end of this, uh, yeah, but I'll do it for him. Jackie Quist, 7 News. She's no stranger to a stamp. In fact, her face has graced more of them than anyone else in Australia. The Queen can add two more to the tally. Australia Post releasing new designs to mark her platinum jubilee. The $1.10 domestic stamp features a photograph from April 1952. If you're sending a letter overseas, you'll see a picture of Her Majesty from 2019. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Our final frame is a celebration of a remarkable young woman's life. Sophie Delizio survived two awful car crashes as a little girl. We watched her brave fight all those years ago. Now, if you can believe, she's marking her 21st birthday. Sophie's told Women's Day the milestone feels huge as she had no idea where her journey would take her. Right now, she's travelling overseas with her boyfriend and says she's living in the moment and excited for the future. Happy birthday, Sophie. We hope you have a great one. Cheers tonight's final frame. Thank you for your company. From the team here at 7 News, that is the latest. I'm Angela Cox. Goodbye for now.